When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It's Thursday, September 29th. The Mets have just split a two-game set with the Miami Marlins, but it's a lot more than meets the eye. There's plenty to talk about. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack A.K. Jolly Olive. Joining me, as always, from Ohio is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, you didn't do anything remotely interesting this week, right? It was kind of just a boring week for you? Just a normal boring week. Uh, but boy, was that an amazing finish to game two. Absolutely. Eduardo Escobar, arigato. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love that guy. I love him. Maybe the best post-game interview ever. That I've seen? Um, no. So, no? Munanori Kawasaki. Uh, Mets post-game interview. That's, oh, okay. That I don't know. I, I I let the fans... You 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 dig, put a poll out. That, but that, that was a good poll. We should do that. That was excellent on many levels. Um, he did it in English, understanding the mm. levity of the of the moment. He, he understood that there was a lot of emotion involved. So he wanted to give the people quick without any barriers. So first of all, making himself vulnerable in your second language, incredible, very brave. Um, and he showed his, he showed his sense of humor and why he's so beloved on every team that he's ever come across because it like all came out there. He, was so happy to give the fans who have been there and been supportive of him all year, despite some of his struggles. New York has been known to bury people, especially when they have big, like big expectations and they fall short. It would have been easy for the Mets fans to, to wear him out, but they didn't. And he, they supported him and his teammates did and the organization did. And he felt this, outpouring of emotion because he felt like he he's been paying it back like it's a mutually beneficial relationship and it showed man he was so appreciative of the fans um just an absolutely um, incredible post-game interview for after a game like just it, it was it gave me all the emotions very happy for Escobar very happy for the Mets fans in attendance because that was a nail-biter it sure was, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, I always just think back to that quote he had from the West Coast trip, I think in June, uh, where he said, one day I'm going to give them reasons to cheer for me. Well, there's plenty of reasons now, Eduardo. You did a damn good job in this series. Uh, we're going to get to all of it. First, got to tell you about our best friend, the Burger Guys themselves, Bear Burger. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode and presenting us throughout the postseason as well. Uh, they're a burger joint. They're not bogged down by labels, guys. How many times do I have to freaking tell you that? You keep coming to me and you're saying, are they bogged down by labels? And I go, no, they're not bogged down by labels. No, they don't like labels. They hate labels. So just stop asking about it. There's only one restriction you'll be limited to, food that's made to taste great. You can create your own favorite burger. And if you build your own creation, you should let them know that John Boy sent you. Tweet it to at Bear Burger for a chance to win a Bear Burger gift card so you can get a free burger and drink after. 
or if you just want to get stuff on the cheap, go to the Kitchen and Bar Happy Hour because it's hands down the best in New York City. They pulled every New York City resident and they all said the same thing, that Bear Burger is the best one in town, obviously. $1 PBRs, $5 meals, $5 martinis, half-off bottles of wine, uh, available seven full hours every Monday through Friday from noon to 7 p.m. Click the link in our description to find yourself at the best happy hour. Taste East Burger, join an overall great spot at order.bearburger.com. They're the best, they taste delicious, and we absolutely love them. Thank you to Bear Burger. Thank you, Bear Burger. Jerry, do you want to dive in? Yeah, let's get right into it. This is a big two-game set, so pretty crazy. I got the fun one. I got the really fun game that everybody cares about. Yeah, you know so let's why? Because Jerry freaking Blevins was on the call on this one, alongside Gary Cohen. Gary and Jerry on the call. Could the Mets deliver for my co-host? Well, maybe not. The Marlins load the bases against Cookie with a pair of hits and a hit-by-pitch in the first inning. It got ugly quick. They grab a 2-0 lead on a sacrifice fly, and then a wild pitch, which I think maybe should have been a pass ball, but it's kind of a moot point. Uh, they get a run there. It's 2 nothing fish in the first. They loaded up the bases again in the second inning, but Cookie's able to get a big double play and then a ground out to escape that jam. But Brian De La Cruz, the Met killer, his numbers against the Mets are far more better than any other team he faces. He doubles in the third J.J. Blade homers, and it's suddenly a 4 nothing game and a must-win game because the Braves are beating the Nationals. The Mets, meanwhile, after battering around Pablo Lopez all year long, they go 9-up, nine 9-down nine in the first three innings against him. And Trevor Williams comes on to replace Cookie Carrasco in the fourth inning. So Cookie ends his night with a pretty rough start. Three innings, four in runs, six hits, one walk, two Ks, a homer. His ERA rises to 3.95. Not the start you wanted to see from Cookie here, but the Mets make it interesting. Nimmo singles, Lindor doubles, and Pete crushes a three-run homer in the fourth inning, and suddenly it's a 4-3 game. The Mets are right back in it. Pete continues to carry with his power, but T-Will is not perfect once again. The Marlins load the bases off him, and LeBlanc punches a two-run single, so the Fish get two back at 6-3. T-Will induces a double play of his own to escape his own bases loaded jam. The Mets get singles in the fifth and sixth, but Lopez ultimately escapes those, and he finishes a quality start, arguably his best start against the Mets this year. He's able to get the job done. Meanwhile, our bullpen is stellar once again. David Peterson looks sharp over two innings. Tyler McGill gets a scoreless inning. Evan Diaz strikes out three because that's all he does, so they get four shutout innings from the bullpen. Uh, and the Mets offense didn't really wake up after that home run. They got a run in the eighth inning, so Jerry was in the booth for maybe one of the most peculiar things I've ever seen on a ball field. I definitely want you to talk about that after three balks by Richard Blyer uh, forces in Jeff McNeil after he just kind of stood on first base after a two-out single. Uh, but Dylan Flora looks sharp in the ninth inning. He strikes out the side to end the Mets' comeback hopes. The Marlins win 6-4. to four. The Braves beat the Nationals, and there is once again a tie at the top of the NL East. A lot to cover in that game. Oh, a lot yeah. of not great stuff. Uh, number one, the big battle for the fourth starting spot in the postseason. Does uh, anybody want it? Who wants it? Uh, so Cookie Carrasco, they both want it. Like, I don't, I won't question that, but, uh, he didn't look great. That's two in a row. He didn't, excuse me, his velocity, the zip on his fastball didn't look great. He had his slider was basically non-existent again. And I, to me, that's been the difference when he has that slider, his split change is also effective. So, uh, he didn't look great. Um, but Pete Alonso's huge home run was awesome. It felt like, all right, the Mets are going to come back. But then I think I don't think it was LeBlanc that had the RBI. T. Will had 0-2, uh, and know. I think Stallings hit that two RBI single. What's fact check? 
Yeah, but that was to me that was the nail in the coffin. That made it six to three. It felt a little bit more daunting. Um, yeah, but then uh, uh, Pablo Lopez on the other side looked incredible. It was Stallings. You were right. It was Stallings. Yeah, I mean, I had a good view. Yeah, I mean, you were there, <laughs> so no offense. <laughs> uh, but but Pablo Lopez, who has been crushed by the Mets not just this year, his whole career, looked like he was facing everybody but the Mets again. Yeah. Uh, he had that zip, like he was throwing mid nineties. And then he had his changeup working. Uh, he looked nasty. And they still got a three runs off him. That shows you how good the Mets can be um, offensively because they, you know, Pete Alonso did his thing. Uh, but the Blyer, the Richard Blyer. Yeah, break boss, it down for me. What the hell was that? It was so strange. First of all, the you know, the Mets are up or down six to three. And Pete Alonso's up and two outs and McNeil's on first base. So we were talking... Like, hey, this is the perfect opportunity to attack Pete Alonso because he can't tie the ball game. So, you know, you're not looking to walk him there. Right. And then uh, he gets called for the first balk, and he is, like, questioned. Like, he's never had a balk before in his whole career, eight right. years. And he gets called. He's like, what did I do? Um, so what he's doing is, like, his glove never really comes set. So right. technically it's in a, it is a balk. But, like, he's not trying to deceive the runner, which is number one. He's not trying to, like, pick him off. And it's not hurting the 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 hitter. So, it usually, that kind of stuff usually just gets glossed over. I've, ne like, never seen a call. Uh, then he calls it again from second base, and Blyer's losing it. He didn't change. He didn't make the adjustment. But also, he wasn't balking. Yeah. The third one... Like, I don't know what the umpire was seeing, but he gets called for the third one. What a stupid time for an umpire to put his stamp on a game. It was the silliest thing. Uh, completely unnecessary. Nobody in the whole ballpark, the, the Mets weren't saying, look, that's a ball. Yeah. You know, come on. So it wasn't like he was deliberately doing anything different because he came out the next game and did the exact same thing. <laughs> And pitched exactly like he has for at least eight years, and nothing was called because he wasn't balking. So just bizarre. It's, I've never seen anything like it. It's a good thing I'll for never a couple see reasons. Anything like it again. It was wild. Yeah, I mean, one. Now you're on the call for one of like the biggest baseball oddity moments in maybe baseball history. Three balks in one inning uh, for a guy who had never balked before. But also exactly what you said. Like nobody was like out there pointing fingers like that's a balk screaming or anything. It was just that one umpire who had had it out for him. I don't know. Yeah, he must not. He must have like, they I don't know, beef. had a. <laughs> they got beef. <laughs> from all, from all, like all things I've heard, Blyer's a great guy. Now, they so... went to high school together. Dick Blyer stole his girlfriend. He remembered. It, it was, I don't know, bizarre. <laughs> but it was a tough loss. Yeah. The Mets looked kind of lackluster. They wanted Cookie to come out and like put his name in the hat as like, Hey, I want this. Uh, and he, he didn't, he didn't look great. So that, that was, you know, game one was pretty tough. Yeah. And it's exactly what you said before. It's kind of like a, who wants this game for start? Because the last two starts prior to uh cookie and Taiwan's Milwaukee and then Miami start cookie goes six innings, one earned run both times, gets the win both times, strikes out 17 and 12 innings. 
Taiwan goes seven both times, strikes out 15, gets the win both times. So they both put together great starts one after the other. It's like, oh, who's going to get the start? And then as soon as one slips up, the other one slips up. And we're going to talk about Taiwan's start as well. I think Taiwan was better than his line in game two, and that'll be part of the discussion. But uh, go for it, man. Yeah. Game two of the two-game set against the Miami Marlins. Kind of a big deal. It was Taiwan Walker looking to put his stamp on that fourth starter, looking to right the ship as the Mets fell into a first-place tie for the National League East. He was going against Jesus Lazardo, who is coming into his own as a starter, a big power lefty. They both looked the part as they shut down both offenses through three Uh, The aforementioned Brian De La Cruz steps up in the fourth inning, and with two outs, he hits a two-run home run in the fourth to give the Marlins a 2-0 lead. After a walk and a De La Cruz double, Taiwan is pulled in the sixth inning. He went five, gave up three earned runs. He gave up six hits, two walks, eight Ks, and gave up that big home run, 95 pitches. Um, and then the Marlins grab another run on a Blade sacrifice fly off of Seth Lugo. Lugo stays on for a second inning, gets the first two outs, but allows a walk and an RBI double in the seventh. Lugo, who struggled through this last couple runs, he's allowed seven earned and eight over his last seven games. But in the seventh, McNeil leads off with a single. Escobar decides to greet Jesus Lazardo with a massive two-run home run, his first two RBIs of the game. Lazardo, who had a really solid start, he gets pulled after six. It's four to two Marlins through seven. Adam Adovino tosses a one, two, three, eighth with two strikeouts looking great. In the bottom of the eighth, the Mets load the bases on three walks. And then with one out against Tanner Scott in the eighth inning, Blyer comes in, induces McNeil to pop up on the first pitch, but upsteps, upsteps Eduardo Escobar, who scans the infield, sees the shift, batting from the right side, and punches a single through the hole. And that scores two, and it is four to four. In steps Edwin Diaz to the sound of the trumpets who looked good in the day before in a non-safe situation, comes in in a tie game and dominates. He goes one, two, three in the ninth on 13 pitches, gets birdie on three straight. Uh, Bottom of the ninth, Nito with a one-out double, almost a one-out walk-off home run, but uh, comes up just short because he hit it to the deepest part of the ballpark and straightaway center. Uh, behind him, Nemo walks, but Jeff Brigham retires. Lindor and Alonzo in the ninth, and the, and the Mets go quietly. Top of the tenth, runner on second base. It's John Birdie, who they know is the fastest guy. He leads the major leagues and steals. And Drew Smith steps in in another high-leverage situation. He struggled since coming off the IL. But he looks fantastic. Gets a huge strikeout, uh, followed by another strikeout with runners on second. He doesn't allow them to advance. And then he gets the last strikeout, a a 97-mile-an-hour fastball at the top of the zone to not let them score in the 10th, giving the Mets a chance to walk it off in the 10th. And the Mets do just that because Eduardo Escobar punches a single for his fifth RBI, a game winner, and a pivotal victory. That was the epic walk-off call. Uh, It was a beautiful game. Eduardo Escobar gets all five RBIs, including the walk-off RBI. It was a beautiful game, well-pitched by Taiwan. He comes up a little short because De La Cruz got him, but you had huge moments from Adovino, 
Escobar, of course, Drew Smith, Edwin Diaz was nasty. And then the walk-off was to seal the deal. And the Mets win in 10, 5-4. Beautiful recap. One of the games of the year for sure. So much to cover. And there's an obvious guy that we're going to talk about. Before we get to him, Drew fucking Smith, baby. What an inning. What a 10th inning for Drew Smith to really convince everybody that, hey, I need to be on that October roster. That was electric. Fastball was up to 97.5 on average. He was dotting. The slider looked good. That is the Drew Smith we know when he's healthy. And he looked absolutely sharp. Really glad he got that moment. Diaz obviously is Diaz because he strikes out everybody he faces. Ottavino continues to be sharp. The bullpen is going to be an unsung MVP of this game, uh, but the real MVP belongs to Eduardo Escobar, who I think... Let's talk Drew Smith for a sec. Go ahead. So, limited time. They threw him right into the fire, literally right off the bat. Not literally. It wasn't actually on fire. Are you sure? I hate saying that myself. I don't like when people do that. (laughs) But right into the mix of high-leverage situations because he can do things like this. He is one of the elite arms that can absolutely get swings and misses, which is crucial in moments like that where you have guys in scoring position. And so I love that Buck has stuck with them because they know if he's great, the team's way better uh, with him at, uh, at pitching at a high level. And he looked fantastic. His, his slider was really good. Um, and that fastball had that jump on it. And he was keeping it at the top of the zone. And even what he's been doing inconsistently is getting them to chase when he's up in the count. So that last pitch that got the big strikeout uh, was above the zone. Perfect pitch at 97, like perfect. That is hard to do. It looks, he looks like he, he looked better than he did even when he was going great in the beginning of the season. So that is a huge positive sign. If he's at the best, the, the Mets are way better than they are without him. Absolutely agree. Just gives you another weapon at the back end. Especially An absolute weapon. Not Seth just Lugo. like not just a solid reliever. He's right. a weapon. Yeah, and like Lugo has been so good for three months, and I think you know he's starting to slow down a little bit. We've seen his numbers go up on his last eight appearances. But if Drew Smith can kind of come in and give him aid there, that's big for kind of the, the seventh inning question mark that has been a theme all year. Um what else we got here before we get to Eduardo? Um, the Mets pick up Alonzo and Lindor in kind of a rough game for both of them. Uh, they showed the stats of Alonzo's numbers during losses. They looked very similar to how he did. He gets a golden sombrero, waved at a pretty bad slider in his last at-bat. Lindor, uh, an uncharacteristic bad at-bat for me personally in the eighth inning, Tanner Scott, walks the bases loaded and Lindor swings on the first pitch he sees from him. You know, good pitch to hit, but still, I think you take a more disciplined approach there. I think uh, one there, I wanted to say Alonso after hitting 40 yeah, uh, the night before, awesome. He looked out of sorts today. Lazardo yeah. was nasty. Yes, he was good. And I, a big left-handed fastball at 97 plus, a really good changeup and an underrated breaking ball. The guy's he was a first rounder, big time prospect. He's starting to come into his own a little bit, battled injuries. So he looks good. Um, so I, I give Pete, who looked incredible for a long time, had, right. a, had a rough night, and that's fine. Lindor, again, Ronnie talked about it on the broadcast, being the, the incredible pro that he is. He mm. talked about there's two different schools. The guy just walked the bases loaded. You don't want to swing at the first pitch, but the pitching coach came out and talked to him. So sometimes, 
that's a very the best pitch is the one he's like all right i gotta get ahead here right throw it right down the middle the ball was up and he popped it up he was kind of trying to lift instead of staying on top of it um broke his 13 game hit streak i, I think. believe so yeah yeah so he ended like a, i think he also had a long uh reaching base safely uh streak as well but i don't mind that he's done so well exactly. all year he's made he's he actually made did get really... a hit last night never mind he got one hit Oh, he did. So awesome. Streak, Even, so ignore wow, all that. Cut crazy. that out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lindor, who's made great decisions, especially offensively all season long, I'll give him, you know, I'm not going to be upset with him. No, yeah, uh, that shouldn't be like the point of all this. I think if anything, it's a good thing because the Mets have proven that even on nights where they don't have their two best hitters going, they can still go out and win a game. Absolutely. That was critical for me. And again, we'll get to Escobar in a bit. And McNeil, who's unsung forever. Yeah. But uh, I really loved what I saw from Taiwan Walker. Like yeah. his line doesn't look great, but he was sharp. His velo was a little bit back to where we're looking. He had that slider going and his splitty was nasty. Uh, and he he made an adjustment early on because he felt like he had a good fastball, but they were sitting on it and jumping on it. Yeah. And he made the adjustment. Him and Nito were like, look, if they're going to just swing at fastballs, I'm going to throw my splitty all day long. So his ability to not only be sharp with his stuff, but to see what's going on. Like, I, I, I really liked what I saw from him. He challenged. De La Cruz got him uh, like he did everybody that this series. Or, yep. But, you know. I, I, if, if I had to make a decision about the four starter right now, which we don't, there's another start to be had, right. but Taiwan is hands down the guy that looks better. I mean, he got 11 whiffs on that splitter yesterday. It looked really, really sharp. It was up a mile and a half per hour on average, which is huge because that velocity was dipping uh, in recent starts. And I also just love that Taiwan really felt the weight of that, of how important that start was. You saw when he came off the mound after that De La Cruz home run, shaking his head furiously when he got pulled he was pacing up and down the dugout like that guy cares that guy wants that game four he wants the ball he wants to be a part of this rotation uh and i think that you know not to say that carrasco was taking it lightly by any means but i think that um taiwan's been waiting for a moment to redeem himself since last year and i think that the line isn't great here but i still think eight strikeouts is nothing to scoff at in five innings like that's a good start you just he made one had mistake so had a couple of things not go his way some check swings yeah. some close pitches Again, the line doesn't look great, and ultimately it's about results, but he looked really good. I liked his demeanor. I liked everything I saw from him for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. So very promising. Absolutely. It, it isn't like one of these guys is going to get a start by default in the playoffs. He looked like very capable of handling anybody in a situation. And if anything, it might just be one of those starts where they go one time through the order and it's a short thing and you, you rely on your bullpen a lot because you have – three guys that can eat six or seven innings in a huge spot right in front of those guys. Like you have yeah. that opportunity. Yeah. But I, I like what I saw. So. All right. It's time. Let's talk about Eddie. Let's, Escobar. let's fucking talk about Eddie Escobar. Gosh, can was you... so good. Wasn't it? <sighs> One so of this is Go ahead. The, the Mets are down four to two in the seventh. He gets a huge home run, right? In the eighth, he gets a huge single. So he hits a home run pull side. Yeah. Four to two. He shoots a single through four to four and then comes up in the 10th and punches like another single through for five, five RBI, like incredible game. Just he played great defense. He was calm at the plate. 
I love what I'm seeing from him over the last month, but like he looks like a clutch style player in, in crunch time in those big moments. I want to say two things. Uh, one is that he had the home run from the right side pull. Then he gets the tying two run single from the right side oppo. Then he hits from the left side in the final at bat and he goes oppo again. And he was just finding the gaps in the infield. He was hitting it where they were. And it looked like he was doing it with intent as well. Uh, which was huge for me. And also, I loved uh, that uh, Disha Thosar uh, told everyone about this afterward. Uh, Escobar said he knew right before his at-bat that the Braves had lost and that this had become a must-win game. And for some people, the added pressure might hinder the at-bat and make you have a worse approach. For Eduardo Escobar, I think it ignited something in him. And that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, uh, even Buck acknowledged that they were... Everybody knew what happened. This yeah. is this is all the times like a couple of weeks ago, understanding that that you you try not to pay attention to what's going on. This is this is a fact that everybody knows what the Atlanta Braves are doing. Yes. Again, they know they have to take care of their own business regardless, but they're they know what the Braves are doing. And it's especially meaningful because they're going to Atlanta to play in the biggest series of the year. So I, I love this team has been so open and honest and from a media standpoint, it's been so refreshing to cover a team like this because there's no bullshit, no yeah. like glossed over, you know, this no is rat raccoon. these guys have been very honest about the highs and lows that they've been experiencing about what they've been thinking, what they've been going through. Like Drew Smith, uh, I'll talk to him again about, that he's answered the call when he's given up a lot of home runs in big situations. He stood at his locker and answered it. And so to see him stand at his locker after such a great 10th inning, and he talked about, look, there was a few things that in his maturity, he knew John Birdie was on second base, the, the major league stolen base record. He knew he had to go for a strikeout here. So, and then when you're advancing in your career, you're not just worried about, executing at the plate with your own stuff understanding who's at bat who's on base the situation as a whole like it's a big deal that that is showing me so much polish from drew smith as a professional big league pitcher i, I he's got another step in him I, I loved it so guys have been open and honest and for escobar to come through and then his post-game interview was just like so endearing and delightful to, to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, you can tell that the veteran leadership that was added to this club has had a ripple effect to the younger guys. And it's just been like a year of accountability. No one's throwing anyone under the bus. Um, and on the night, Eduardo Escobar goes three for five. The rest of the lineup goes two for 30. This was his game. Uh, he carried the carried the weight of the offense. Uh, I have a fun stat for you. Are you familiar with the stat uh, win probability? Do you know? Uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, baseball reference and fan graphs, they measure how much percent of a win probability a player adds in their own at bats. Yeah, Eduardo Escobar adds or subtracts. Adds or subtracts, correct. Yes. And uh, Eduardo Escobar had a 0 0.75 WPA last night. So he was responsible for 75% of the win probability. There's only one guy this year who has a higher win probability added in a single game. Can you guess who it is? No. Aaron Judge. Well, on the Mets, I mean. In a Mets oh, game this Mets. year. Uh, probably, Pete, probably Pete Alonso. 
So Pete Alonso is third. Number one is Mark Canna for that Philly game where he hit those two home runs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he, he yeah, has up at 80% it. for that. But that just goes to show that if Eduardo Escobar even has one bat at bat that night, uh, the entire outcome of the game could completely shift. And all, all of his big hits were in the clutch. All of them. Seven, eight, and ten. It's Crazy every time stuff. he stepped up with with the game on the line, basically, he stepped up as well. Like yeah. just just pure clutch gene coming out. Like that was wonderful. And I guess that should take us to the apple of our eye today, which is a real tough one. It's a real yeah. toughie. I mean, we have two guys, right? You got two? I got I one. Mean, we have two. I got one. You go. You go then. I wonder who it's going to be. It's going to be Eduardo Escobar for me. Three for nine, a run, a homer, and five RBIs all in one game. You almost forget that he went 0 for 4 in the first game just because of how important he was to the game to win. He's batting 341 in September, eight home runs this month, 24 RBI, an OPS of 1.049. He becomes the first Mets third baseman with multiple games of at least five RBI and multiple walk-off hits in a single season. Since David Wright. David Wright did that in 2012 and 2008. That guy's pretty important from what I hear. Um, you know, we, we go through the the, uh, the woes, the ebbs and flows of this entire season. But when it comes down to it, Eduardo Escobar is going to end the season as a plus hitter, a plus defender. Uh, and I think no one's really going to remember that midseason soon. They're going to remember this September performance and whatever he's going to do in October. So he's the apple of my eye. Well deserved. I mean, one of the best games ever by a single player um that is the eduardo escobar game yes that's that's what it is that's the eduardo escobar game that's so cool so you said you have a second person i have more than one person so that i mean he's obviously double apple lock he's it yeah but i'm gonna give a couple of things one edwin diaz who people were worried about his inactivity uh about him staying sharp uh i actually got a chance to chat with him Mm. um uh, and before game one, and I talked to him about his prep work, you know, I, I never would question him, but I just kind of wanted to get a feel for him. Sure. And he showed up and he threw two innings, gave up one double, uh, but he was dominant six K's in two innings. Beautiful. Yep. So he's, he's a candidate. The bullpen as a whole pitched 11 innings and 18 punch outs. And they only gave up three runs in 11 innings, like pretty big deal there Stellar. too. Yes. Um, and two of those came on a 0-2 pitch that, you know, was a mistake from from Trevor Williams. Right. Uh, but then there's Pete Alonso, who in game one hit his 40th home run, a big three-run shot to, to get the Mets within one. It didn't end up working, but he put the team on his back again. 40 home runs in a single year. It's a big deal. Yes. Uh, but my apple is going to Mr. Jeff McNeil. Wow. I'm Jeff interested McNeil, to hear who this. I feel like has gone under the radar for us as a whole. Yeah. Not under the radar, but he never is the the Apple winner. Always the bridesmaid, never a bride. Yes, yes. He goes four for eight, scores two runs, has two walks. The guy just sets the table. He gets on base. He makes things happen. And when you do that for guys like, Lindor, uh, Alonso, obviously, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna. If you put yourself in these situations all the time, 
it is such an uplifter for the Mets offense. He puts pressure on the defense. He finds holes. He hits lefties. He hits righties. He's just kind of been doing it all year long. And I haven't chosen him a bunch because guys are hitting extra base hits or big home runs. He's been deserving so many times. I felt like I haven't chosen him enough. So the apple of my eye is the flying squirrel, Jeff McNeil. Well, I love that he's getting some love. Um, I told you before we went live that uh, I've been tallying up all the apples from the year because we're going to do a little retrospective episode at the end. Would you believe, Jerry, that this is the first time this year that you have picked Jeff McNeil for the apple of your eye? No, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Pretty crazy. I was shocked to find that as well. Yeah, I mean, they're just, there was, he's done this. He's been four for eight or, you know, five for 11. And then another guy has like a a six RBI series. Yes. He hasn't done anything like he has done, but this is kind of what he's done all year. He's hitting 320. He's second in, in, in the National League in hitting behind Freddie Freeman. Yep. It's wild what he's doing all year. And so I have kind of glossed over or overlooked him for a shinier series but as a collective i i gave him this in a series of two games maybe making up for the slights in the past on my apple but gosh the guy's just been electric yeah uh, as and, a hitter. and i mean like this was a series where especially game two where the big guys pete had his big home run don't get me wrong but when, when all else fails, Jeff McNeil is still going to give you four hits in two games. He's still going to walk twice. He's still going to score runs. That's a guy that you can always, always rely on because he's always taking good at-bats. And that's the life of the table setter, kind of. You don't, you don't always get the awards, the acclamation, the love. Um, but he's just as important to the offense because you got to get guys in front of the Eduardo Escobars of game two because then those hits mean a whole lot less when they're not scoring runs. Uh, so I love that you gave him some uh, first apple of the year from Jerry to Jeff. How about that? What a shocker. How about that? I, I mean, he deserved, he's deserved it so many times. How many times have you given it to him? I've given him my apple five times. Okay. So even that's probably on the short end. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll do a full dive in because I'm really excited because, you know, it took me, it took me well, a couple yeah, hours we got some to get time, to everything. So we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. We've got some fun episodes coming up. I mean, we got a fun episode right now because we got to talk biggest series of the goddamn year i think i'm right i mean i got a few notes here um alonzo and escobar lead mlb and rbi in september very very cool the mets are 10 and 2 in extra inning games first time they've won 10 since 2004 uh starling Marte probably not going to return for this atlanta series we'll talk more about that but i think i'm gonna let you go yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna Marte. it doesn't sound promising for him to be ready in the end of the season it's a finger the when he they sent him back to new york early for extra imaging i felt like that was a kind of a dire sign um i hope he's back because he's like he's a huge part of what we can do so massive piece comes back and he you know we've seen what we can do without him and and the mets are very capable of, of being great without him but uh he's definitely a dynamic player that would help this team definitely agree all right, you ready for the biggest series of 2022? I'll never be ready, but let's do it anyway. Coming up, this three-game set in Atlanta for all the marbles. <laughs> the Mets come in with a one-game lead on the Atlanta Braves for the National League East title with five to play or six to play for six the New York play. Mets. I think the Braves have seven. 
including they, we have an extra off day. But this is the biggest showdown. The Mets have lined up their top three. The Braves have lined up their top three. So this is a battle. If there was ever a regular season series that is like the playoffs, this is like the World Series of the National League East. Game one, Friday, the greatest pitcher on the planet, Jacob deGrom, looking to bounce back from a weird, shaky Oakland outing. He is 5-3 and three with a 2.93 ERA on the year. He's going up against the unsung hero for the Atlanta Braves, Max Fried, Mr. Reliable, who's just been dominant for years for them. He is 13-7 and seven with a 2-5 ERA on the year. Austin Riley, big, thick third baseman himself, is 5-for-17 with two home runs against DeGrom. Pete Alonzo, 8-for-30 in his career. Mark Canna, 4-for-10, both with two home runs against Max Fried. DeGrom and Fried last faced each other, uh, where Fried won a 3-2 game. DeGrom uh, in Atlanta this year, 12 and a third innings, five earned runs, six hits, 21 Ks to one walk. Max Fried versus the Mets this year. Two and two, 24 innings pitched. He's got a three ERA and a 1.04 whip. That is game one on Friday. Game two, Saturday, Mad Max Scherzer, the other ace of the New York Mets. He's 11 and four with a 2-1-3 ERA going up against Kyle Wright, the 20 game winner, the, the bright spot of this young rotation for the Atlanta Braves. He's got a 3.18 ERA and like I said, 20 game winner. Ronald Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, and Travis Darno have all homered twice off of Max Scherzer. Pete Alonso, the heart of our order, is four for 11. Tyler Naquin is three for six, both with two home runs against Kyle Wright. Scherzer versus Atlanta this season. He is three and oh. He's got 20 and a third innings pitched with a 0.7 whip and a 2.21 ERA. Kyle Wright versus the Mets this year. He's 0 and 2. 13 innings pitched and nine earned runs given up five home runs, three walks to seven Ks. That is game two. Game three, Sunday, the end game. Chris Bassett, the best number three pitcher in all of baseball. He is 15 and eight with a 3-2-7 ERA. Going up against the old man himself, Charlie Morton, Mr. Clutch, Mr. World Series broken leg guy. Nine and six with a 4-2-9 ERA on the season. Dansby Swanson, William Carrera, uh, Contreras, Michael Harris II, Robbie Grossman, and Marcelo Zuna versus Chris Bassett in their career combined 0 for 19. No Braves hitter has more than six at-bats against Chris Bassett, the newly National League pitcher. Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, and James McCann have all homered off of Charlie Morton. This year, Chris Bassett versus those Braves. He's one and one. He has pitched 13 innings. He's given up four runs. He's got 14 strikeouts to three walks. Charlie Morton versus the Mets, a different story. He's one and two, 17 innings pitched, nine earned runs, a huge 21 strikeouts, but also seven walks. That is your game three of the biggest three games set in 2022 all eyes will be on this series all across baseball because this is the number one race still left open that was a loaded preview well done that was probably that was a lot that was the thickest preview of the year i'm very proud of you that was tough that was a good one all right a lot of implications for this weekend i'm gonna go through them really really quick so that you are in tune with what's going on so if the mets go to atlanta 
play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they win all three games, they sweep, they will clinch the NL East on that final game in Atlanta. Huge. If they take two out of three, it would lower their magic number to one for the final series of the season. That means one Atlanta loss, one Mets win, the Mets are in, they win the division. If they win one of three, they still control their destiny in the final series of the year. There's going to be a little implication with the Braves playing the Marlins, but if you take two or three against the Nationals, you should be fine. You'll end in a tie, and the Mets will win the tiebreaker because they have a better record against Atlanta than Atlanta against them. The catastrophic situation is if you get swept, because then you'll lose your tiebreaker, which means that if you tie the Braves, the Braves will win the division. Uh, and then you'll trail by two with three games to play, which means you'll need at least two wins against the Nationals, and the Braves will need to at least lose two out of three. A lot going on there. So the Mets, obviously, I think with the move to put Jacob DeGrom at the front of this series is to try and win early and get ahead in the series as quickly as possible and ensure that you get at least one win because that tiebreaker is going to be massive. The Mets winning four out of five in City Field is standing up huge right now because you split the first city field set two and two you went to atlanta you took two of three to go ahead four and three and then that four or five is standing up because after losing three or four in atlanta um still you have two games above 500 you're nine and seven um so it's kind of a game of inches right now but you have three fantastic pitching matchups in this series degrom versus freed two the mets have hit kyle wright really well and then charlie morton is really interesting because They faced Morton on May 3rd, back when Morton kind of had a slow start to the year. He gave up five earned runs in five and two-thirds innings. Then they faced him again in the series in Atlanta, where they lost three or four, and Morton goes six and two-thirds shut and strikes out 12. So you don't really know what Charlie Morton you're going to get here, because the Mets have had two completely different outings against him. What we do know is that Max Scherzer has balled out against Atlanta this entire year. He's pretty much the lock to give you a great pitching performance against them. 3-0, hasn't lost to them yet. ERA well under uh, 3 here, a whip well under 1. It's going to be it's gonna be stressful, man. It's going to be a stressful is, yeah, series. Yeah, stressful, but this is what it's all about, man. Yeah, man. This is it. This is the best. You know, meaningful games, high stress. This is sports. Yeah. This is what I love. And uh, all Buck and, and Billy and these guys have done is set this up perfectly. Yeah. You know, it worked out well for the Braves, too, because they moved Max Scherzer or Max. They moved Max Freed to make sure he faces game one and gets the the, the Mets. And they actually got a win by their guy. We moved it back and, and it didn't work out. The Braves won. They tied it. But having a one game lead is huge. Um, thank you for those, you know, possibilities uh, of clipping that. We'll, we'll clip that and send that out for sure. Sure. Because that that is important because you don't know the ramifications. I think after after game one, we'll reassess and go through that. But this is huge. Jacob DeGrom looked vulnerable for the first time. Um, but I'm looking for him to bounce back in a very familiar place. He's pitched a ton. Then you got Max Scherzer. It's what you gave him uh, $6 billion a year for. And then you got Chris Bassett, what yep. you traded for, this Mr. Solid to come in and be clutch. There's no moment too big for this guy. He's done it. He steps up. This is this is perfectly placed. This is a this is if this were the World Series, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. This is how it's set up. This mm-hmm. is what the Mets are gonna do. I'm excited to see everybody perform here. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest series that this Mets franchise has played in seven years essentially. I mean, it's been a long time since the Mets fans have had something to care about to this extent this late in the season. 
One more thing I want to say is that the Mets, they have a 9-7 and record against the Braves this season. Three of those losses came when Taiwan gave up eight runs in one-plus in innings. Cookie went down in the second inning with an injury. Taiwan went down in the second inning with an injury. The Mets are 9-4 and four when they get three innings from their starters, and you got DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett. I'd be shocked if any of these guys gave you less than five. This is putting yourself in a great position to succeed. Obviously, someone's going to get that game four ball, but I feel really, really, really confident. Even though we're going to Atlanta, you know, we're three and four there this year. I feel confident that if the pitching is on, we're the better team, flat out. Well, I, I think so. I think that's fair. Um, they're a great team, too. They are. There's a reason why it's been a battle all season long. They're set up. They got Kyle Ray has 20 wins. Max Fried has been a, a Cy Young candidate for like three straight years now. And Charlie Morton, they signed him uh, to to be the guy uh, to to carry them to the World Series, which he did so bravely last year. He's coming. He's had a rough start to the year, but he's looked better as of late. Um, this is it, man. You know they're missing Spencer Strider, who I think would start instead oh, yeah. of uh, Charlie Morton. Morton. Yep, definitely. Uh, but he's he's on the IL. Uh, that's a big loss for them because he's he's been probably maybe the the NL's uh, NL um, rookie of the year uh, apart from Michael Harris the second who's, who's probably going to win now. Yeah, yeah. They've had some young guys step up, but they're they're missing him. He's a weapon. Kenley Jansen at the back versus Edwin Diaz. Uh, I'll take Edwin Diaz all day long. Although Kenley has a great track record of being successful. And I our mean, bullpens line up. our bullpens line up pretty well. I think they're, we're getting our bullpen at a really good time now. I think the last time we, we previewed a Brave series, we did talk a lot about how hot their bullpen was and how cold ours had been going into the series. Now you have Adam Adovino, who's been on an absolutely fantastic stretch for pretty much the entire year. Edwin Diaz is Edwin Diaz. You just got a great showing from Drew Smith, a very encouraging showing from him. Seth Lugo's had his hitches, but he still had a great year. Like you have weapons at the back there and i'm looking at this braves lineup and there's one name that is popping out to me right now and it's matt olson now the tale of his september has been that it's been a long winded slump going into september 25th olson was eight for his last 83 everybody knows about that what you might not know is that his last four games he's begun to turn a corner he has a four game hit streak now he's five for his last 14 two home runs five rbis the Mets, Mets fans, especially, I want. I'm, this isn't addressed to you. Don't go in there thinking that Matt Olson is cold. He's an easy out. He's still Matt Olson. He's still an incredibly dangerous hitter, and it looks like he's just started to figure something out again. You don't have to deal with Ozzy Albies again because he's injured. He's back on the injured list, but everybody else is still here. Everyone else is still producing. Some of the guys have had cold second halves, but this is still a lineup that absolutely bangs. And one guy that's really hot right now for them as well is Marcelo Zuna. So it's kind of just... Pit, and, Ronnie Acuna. and Ronnie Acuna started to find it two home runs the other day. Yeah. Uh, he's been, he's been banged up and dealing with, you know, his knee, but he's, he's one of the most dangerous, one of the most dynamic players in the league. So this is a great series. I'm so excited for baseball. Uh, this is wonderful. This I is mean, scary. Oh, and so you would, scary. as a Mets fan, you probably wanted to be a little bit easier coming in, but this is, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. this. Go to the uh, bar. So Darno, he's been great all yeah. year. 
Contreras has been excellent. Matt Olson, obviously the big guy they traded for. Dansby is having the best year of his career offensively and defensively. Austin Riley has now been the MVP candidate, stepped up. He looks like a like an absolute lock to be there, you know, in their top four hitters for a long time. Uh, Eddie Rosario is kind of starting to come out of his shell a little bit. Ozuna looks better. Uh, I still can't believe he's in a Braves uniform. Wild. I can't believe he's Wild. So I think that might be like bad karma for them to keep that guy around. But, uh, you know, they, they, they are dangerous. Michael Harris uh, is hitting 300 in his rookie season. Like, it's pretty incredible what these guys have been able to do. Vaughn Grisham, uh, another guy, uh, Grissom, who's another guy that's came up and, and done really well for them. They're, they're a team. They're a good team. I mean, like, you, you put it pretty well. Like, you, if you're a Mets fan, you want it to be easier than this. But if you get the win here and you get your 100th win in Atlanta, you take the series, you win the division – it's going to be all worth it, you know? Like, that's the the risk you run with a series like this. And the Mets and September have some pretty bad memories associated with them together. But I do think that as little as it may seem in the rearview mirror once we're past this series, the Mets getting that big win against Miami and the Nationals walking off the Braves, both teams have an off day today to sit in that and let it stew and really think about, man, I could have been a game ahead instead of them being a game ahead and vice versa. And I think that carries some weight. I think it definitely does. Yeah, I mean, this. there's no team. The Braves are reigning World Series champions. Most of these guys were there last year. So they're not going to be, you know, impacted by the day off and thinking about it. But they will understand the intensity. Max Scherzer, DeGrom, Chris Bassett, these guys have all pitched in huge high leverage playoff games. Um, so they're not going to be impacted. This is just a showdown of two Major League Baseball powerhouses vying for the NL East title. Like this is it's it, the only bad part about this is that, it, that there's games after this. Yeah, I mean, it would you know be awesome I mean? if it just ended after this series. It would be <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Man. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. You know, Kenley Jansen has had a solid year. He's got 37 saves. Uh, had some shaky outings. They traded for Rysel Iglesias, who's been their setup guy, who's dominated since he's been over there. A.J. Minter had a couple of rough patches, but he's established himself as an absolute uh, incredible lefty out of the bullpen. Colin and Q, we've had his number, but he's having a great year. Dylan Lee's had an incredible year. Jackson Stevens, like these guys have showed up. So this is a, this is a battle, and this is two heavyweight, you know, titans coming at it like this is everything that you hope for coming into the season yeah i mean i I think i got i got nothing else it's just you gotta watch the best baseball of the year unfold i'm gonna be so sweaty watching that get a beer tear your heart out tear your hair out i'll be i'll be you know doing pre and post game you know uh, watching this game taking notes wearing a suit just absolutely pouring sweat through it (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna just put some like paper towels underneath i think that's what you need need i'll just change deodorant that's the one thing that's missing from the sny studios beautiful uh beautiful setup uh we need like a shower in there so i can like a little locker room action (laughs) definitely agree (laughs) all right man you got anything else i don't man this is exciting all right mets fans we're here We're here. Love it. We'll see you guys Monday. For Jolly and Jack, I'm Jerry. Let's go Mets. I love GM.
LFGM。ありがとう。ありがとう。誰まして。<笑>